child. My parents are like so excited to be grandparents, and I kind of got to tell my mom every once in a while to take a chill pill. She is uh, pumped. Okay, she's pumped. She, and the problem is, the problem is she works right across the street from our from our, our house. So she works right across on the other side of Broad Street. And she drives from like a half hour away to work right across the street from my house, which is a little ridiculous. But she does that. And so now she's probably going to stop by every day to see my kid, you know, her grandkid. She is way too excited about this. The moment she found out about it, she went, she, she left her house and went and started buying clothes uh, for this unborn child. And she, was, she didn't even know... She didn't even know the gender at that point. She's like, I don't care. She's like, my dad's like freaking out because like, he's buying double sets of clothes. She's buying boys' clothes and girls' clothes. What are you going to do if it's you know, a boy with all the girls' clothes? And she ended up taking it back. She didn't really care. So she was that excited, and she's still excited, and we're still waiting. So we're still on, on baby, baby watch. Uh, every time Brittany calls me, I freak out because I feel like, oh, man, she's in labor. She's in labor. The other night, I've told a few of our, our leaders this, the other night she, or I wasn't able to fall asleep because I'm like freaking out because I'm going to be a dad and the world's not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. And I was freaking out so I could not sleep. And so after a while of not sleeping and, you know, staying up too late reading and then, you know, not being able to sleep again, so I'm like, I'm going to take, you know, some melatonin, okay, very healthy sleep aid. You know, so that will help me get to sleep. So I took melatonin, and I woke up in the morning, you know, after a really good night's sleep, you know, distraction-free sleep, and Brittany realized that there was a bottle of melatonin that was moved. Because, you know, I went to bed much later than she did, because she goes to bed at like 8.30 now, and uh, because it's really tiring developing a human. Uh, that was not sarcasm. That was serious, I've learned. So she sees the melatonin and said, hey, you cannot be taking melatonin because what happens if I go into labor at the middle of the night? You know, she's really worried about her going into labor and I'm taking a bunch of melatonin. You can't really drive when you're taking melatonin because you're like really, really, really tired. Told her to download Uber. (laughs) Big mistake. Big mistake. It was not the right, not the right choice of, uh, of stating that at that time. So I know this is a ways off for you guys, but remember that for the future. There probably won't be Uber then. You'll probably have like flying cars or cars that drive themselves or I don't know. The future is going to be crazy. So don't respond in that way. Uh, if you have uh, a fidget cube, I want you to stick it up and then put it in your pocket, or a fidget spinner, or a fidget, whatever. I want you to put it in your pocket for me, please. And then also, if you have a cell phone, I like if you could put it in your pocket until until after worship or even after breakout groups. That'd be great. We have some Bibles laying around. If you can use those uh, for the text, we have a lot more Bibles out tonight than we normally do. If you need to pass them down the aisle, feel free to do that. That would be wonderful. If you're going to open up your Bibles to John 5, 1 John 5, sorry, 1 John 5, we are finally, finally finishing the series in 1 John that we've been working on for over three months now, and I'm really excited about what we got tonight. 
Because John is going to recap a, a lot of what he had already talked about. So he's going he's to recap all of this for us and, uh, and play some emphasis on a few uh, different points. If you remember last week, we talked about the testimony that God gave us, and that being the Holy Spirit. We looked at eternal life and, and, and the, the life that he was referring to, that John was referring to, uh, is, is his son. The son is Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus Christ, those who believe in him can have and can experience the eternal life, this eternal life. And it's only attainable, this eternal life is only attainable through God's Son. He's the only means to eternal life. We looked at, uh, we talked about John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one enters to the Father except through, through me. And so, other, some people, not, not, some people believe in something called parallelism. There are a few different other names for it as well. Where all roads, if you believe in something, all roads lead to heaven. This is debunking that. This is saying, mm, no, not necessarily. That's not true. There's a great, oh man, this is, this is off topic, but I'm going to try to keep it very short. There's a press conference that is out there on YouTube from a, from a football coach at Oklahoma State where he gets really riled up and, and the, the media is accusing him of some things and he, and he yells, he's like, he's like, that ain't true. And uh, it's really funny. You need to watch it. And so and he says some other things that are really funny too. And he talks about how he's a man and he's 40. And things like that. But it's hilarious. I quote it to Brittany all the time. She doesn't think it's as funny. So it's not true that all roads lead to heaven. It's only through Jesus. That's the only way we can experience eternal life. We saw in, in 1 John 5 verse 12 that whoever has the Son has life. And this verse continues on to, uh, to the explanation that, that the eternal life that was described earlier in, in verse 11. We, saw, we also saw that whoever does not have the Son does not have eternal life. And you cannot have the Father but not the Son. Nor can you have the Son, but not the Father. They are together. They are inseparable. And you cannot, you cannot have the Father without acknowledging the Son. We asked you guys last week if you have life. Do you have life? Have you placed your trust and your faith in the Son? In, in God's Son? Have you placed your faith, your, your trust in him? Tonight we're going to look at verses 13 through 21. John's going to hit a few different things. It might seem a little choppy at times, but this is like his, his final charge here to these, these believers that he's writing to in Ephesus. And he doesn't always finish a letter like he's going to finish this one. Usually he has an, a nice um, a nice polite goodbye at the end. This one's not so much. Let's look at verse 13. It says, I write these things 
to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So these things that John is referring to is verses 1 through 12, which we have previously discussed. And, and some, some theologians believe that he is referring to the entire letter, the entire thing that we have, we have talked about for the last three months. John is possibly referring to here by saying, these things, I wrote these things for you, for you who believe. Remember, he is writing to Christians. He is writing to Christians. He is not writing to heretics. He's not writing to the false teachers that are out there. He is not writing to try to persuade people, to bring people in to belief in Christ. He's writing to those who already know God. He wrote this letter because he wanted them to know that they have eternal life. He wanted them to know that their joy has been made complete if they believe in him. He wanted them to know that they are to not continue on living in sin. And he wanted them to be able to discern false teaching. He was writing he was writing to strengthen the believers. It was not to gain new converts. And he was writing to believers who might, they might be tempted to doubt the reality of their faith in Jesus. These people are being influenced by all kinds of false teaching, which can lead them to doubt their faith in Jesus. If you hear something over and over and over again, is it easy to believe as true? In fact, that's a question for you. Yes. I was hoping you'd say yes. That's how it is for me. When I hear something over and over and over again, it causes me to believe that. John's writing so that they can understand that what they're being taught, what these false teachers are telling them, is not true. It's not true. And, and, and he wants to prevent them from having, from, from doubting their faith in Jesus. And he says, he's writing these things to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know for certain that you have eternal life. So he brings back up eternal life that he had mentioned previously in, in verses 6 through 12. And that we may know that we have eternal life. Let's look at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Not only, does, not only can a believer have assurance of salvation, but they can also have assurance that God will hear their prayers, and if they are of His will, He will answer them. This confidence is our stance before God, and we can have confidence when we pray. We can have confidence when we pray according to His will. Praying for God's will to be done can be completely different than praying for our wants 
and our desires to be done. Think about your prayer life. I want you to think about your prayer life. So we, 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 we probably have a wide variety on the spectrum here. Of Maybe you don't have much of a prayer life. Or maybe you do have a prayer life and, and you're very active. Maybe you're in between. But I want you to think about the things that you're praying for and how you are praying. Are you praying for God's will to be done? Or are you not? Are you wanting your will be done? And only your will. Here, you know, working here at Jersey and being on the pastoral staff, we're required at least once a month to do something called hospital visits. So we go and we, we visit church members or uh, members of the church, their family members who are in the hospital. I had a situation last week where I was, um, I was called to go visit someone out at, at Licking Memorial Hospital. Uh, this guy uh, who's, who's middle-aged at Jersey, his mother was in the hospital and, and just days away from passing away. So I went to go visit her, and she was uh, in her 80s. And so on my way to get, visit her, I get another uh, phone call and says, hey, you need to go see that guy's uh, wife. She's in the ER at the same hospital. So I, I go, and, and I go to the hospital, and I see this, this lady on, on her deathbed, and, and I, see, uh, I, I see her son, and I'm talking to her son, and he's having a split time between his mom, who's on the top floor, and his wife, who's in the emergency room because she had a severe asthma attack due to anxiety caused from the situation. And so I, I'm trying to talk to this man who is really struggling because his mom's uh, uh, about to pass away. His wife's in the ER talking to his wife. She's really struggling, feeling guilt that she's not up there, you know, being with her husband and being with her mother-in-law who's, who's passing away. Well, when I prayed with each of them, we prayed for God's will to be done. Sometimes we might not always appreciate what God's will is at that time. We might not realize how his glory is shown through his will being done because we are so focused on our own desires. We're so focused on what we want. That's not what prayer is for. That's not how we use prayer. And according to this passage, you can, you can see that maybe God will not answer our prayers. And, and I believe this for a fact. He actually, he will not answer our prayers if they're not according to his will. If it's not his will for these things that we are praying for, it's not going to happen. But we can rest in the fact that his will is perfect and his will is good. And he is all Knowing, we might not understand that at the time. James, uh, James chapter 4, verse 3, it says that we need to be careful about how we pray. And, and sometimes we might pray with the wrong motives. We might pray for our own pleasures. We need to really have a check. How are we praying? How are we praying? What are we praying for? And are we praying for God's will to be done or our own? I mean, look at what Jesus did. 
when he was hours, hours away from dying. He says, this is from, from Luke 22, his father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, but nevertheless, not my will be done. Not my will be done, but yours. He says, take this cup from me, but your will be done. Not mine. Jesus is saying that. He is about to die on the cross for us. He's not dying because of anything he did. He's dying because of us. And he is saying to the Father, not mine, but your will be done. Let's continue in verse 15. And if we know, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. This verse goes on to further explain the thought that was given in verse 14. He uses the word no. K-N-O-W. Sorry, I forgot how to say that letter. K-N-O-W. That, that version of no. Not N-O. That's different. Okay. He uses that twice in this verse. And that places an emphasis. Places an emphasis that God will know or that he will hear and he will answer a prayer according to his will. But the word at the beginning of the sentence, if, is very important for us to know. If is a very important word. There was a girl I went to college with. Her name was Jessica Krause. She uh, led Bible studies on, on a floor right below mine. Really cool girl. She played soccer at our school. She grew up in Africa as a missionary. Her and her family, she had another sister at our school at that time. And they uh, were real, real close family, missionary family. And her dad would fly to different areas in Africa. He was an aviation missionary. And he would go and train pastors in other areas of Africa. I forget, I forget what countries that they were from and where they were going to, where he was going to. Uh, one day, she received a phone call that her dad's plane never landed uh, at the destination where they were supposed to go. And they don't know, they didn't know where he was at. They didn't know if his plane crashed. They didn't know if uh, he had to make an emergency landing somewhere. None of the airports could track them, track him, or wanted to track him. There was a lot of corruption in, in most of those areas where he would, would and possibly could have been in Africa. So they don't know if he had to make an emergency landing somewhere, and they took him for ransom. They, her, her, her mom had no idea. A lot of mission organizations got involved in this, uh, trying to track down this guy. You know, this was on national news. It was a, a pretty big deal that this missionary just completely vanished, was completely missing. No idea where he was at. So 
I, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, somewhat close to her and, and, you know, some of our other, uh, we were called uh, CMCs, campus ministry coordinators, basically Bible study leaders. She was Bible study leader for her floor and I was one for mine. We uh, put on this big prayer event at our campus praying for uh, this guy to be found, this, this missionary to be found. And time went by and he could not be found. No idea where he was at. None of the parts of his plane have been recovered. No idea if he was still living or if he passed away. I remember uh, talking to another friend about it and they were talking about how uh, Jessica was doing and she was filled with peace because she knows that her prayer was answered. Not in a typical way. She wanted her dad to be found, yes. But she also wanted God's will to be done. And I think about that and how powerful that is to think about you want your father to be found. He's missing. No idea where he's at. Yet not only are you praying for that, you're praying for God's will to be done, even if that means your father's not found. Think about that. And think about your prayer life. Are you praying for God's will to be done no matter what the outcome is? Verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, and there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. So in verses 14 and 15, he gives the reader assurance that God will answer prayers that are according to, to his will. Now he gives specific encouragement to pray that God would restore a fellow believer. He, John, he gets a little weird talking about sin that leads to death. And that makes you think about, is there a sin? Is there something that we can do that leads to death? And there is. And that's total rejection of the gospel. Total rejection of the gospel is the sin that leads to death that John's talking about. A denial of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the denial of faith. Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6, say something very fascinating and intriguing about this very topic. It reads, For it is impossible, in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have, been, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted in the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying 
once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. I would encourage you to, to do a deeper study on that passage. It is eye-opening what is in the beginning of Hebrews 6 there. Now let's jump to first, back to 1 John 5 and verse 17. It reads, there's a little fly or something around me. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. So John clears up any misunderstandings here, and he's not being soft on sin. He says all wrongdoing is sin. He doesn't say that some of it is or certain things are. Certain things aren't. All wrongdoing is sin. John is telling the believers to pray for those. Pray for those who are in sin. And then the last part of this verse <coughs> sorry, says that there is a sin that does not lead to death. John, he, he, added, he added it to show the wide scope in which is given for the exercise of Christian sy- sympathy and, and, and intercession. Verse 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Here John goes back to talking about how everyone, everyone and anyone who was born of God, they do not keep on sinning. Now, remember, we talked about we, we talked about the difference between sinning and, and walking in sin. John's referring to the continual habitual sin, sinning. So, so living in a, a lifestyle of sin. There is no exception to this general rule. Born of God, being born of God, that suggests a personal, uh, or sorry, a permanent relationship begun in the past with continuing results of this new birth. And one of these results is the God-given ability to not fall into long-term habitual sin. So if we have been born of God, if we've been born of God, we are to not and not technically able to continue being in that habitual lifestyle of sin. Being born of God. The second half of the verse where it says, uh, but he who was born of God, this is referring to, to Jesus, protects him. The evil one does not touch him. The evil one cannot harm him. They cannot touch him. Those who are born of God cannot be touched by the evil one. Verse 19. We know, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The evil one does not touch the Christian, but the world 
is helplessly in his crafts. He's able to, to grab them. And there are two possible positions. Either uh, Everyone is either of God or they are under control of the evil one. We talked earlier back in, in chapter 2 about the love for the world and the love for God and how there's no in-between. You either love the world or you love God. It's black or white, no gray area. The same goes with this. You are either of God or you are under the control of the evil one. Those are the only two options. There's no in-between. That's what John's trying to say. Verses 20 and 21. Finish up by saying, and we know, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true and we may know or, and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. So like I said earlier, John does not end in his typical fashion, his typical farewell. But he ends with a stern warning to keep yourself from idols. And he is referring to the to the idols that the false teachers were speaking of. And they were speaking about Jesus being less than who he is. And they did not see him as God. The false teachers did not. And John was saying, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. He's not who they say that I am, that he is. John's saying God is so much bigger than what these false teachers are saying. Don't fall for that. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who provides eternal life to anyone, to anyone who comes to Him in faith. He is the true revelation of God. Anything else is counterfeit and a false substitute. Band, you guys can come on up. I want you guys to do one more thing before you close your Bibles. I want you to go through chapter 5, 1 John 5, and I want you to underline everywhere that says, we may know, or we know, or for this we know, or whatever your version would have uh, the translation like that. Because we can know a lot of things because of Christ, and because of who He is, and because of what He's done. Because tonight, I want you to think about your prayer life. I want you to think about, are you praying for God's will to be done in, no, in whatever situation is going on in your life? Maybe it's the health of a family member. Maybe it's uh, the stress with school. Maybe it's uh, so much bigger than those things. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it's your health. Maybe you are, are struggling with anxiety and depression. 
want you to think about your prayer life. First of all, I want you, I want you to answer this. Do you need to invest more in your prayer life? Are you? Are you praying? Are you spending time in prayer? And are you praying for God's will to be done no matter what outcome that brings? That outcome might hurt right now, but we will be able to see God be glorified through that during time. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these students. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for